The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Today marks the launch of a brand new season on the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I hope you all have had a wonderful summer. You might have noticed the show started a little bit different this time. And that leads me to my big announcement. I have just joined the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and I couldn't be more pleased. Diane Ray co-founded this network, and that is who you get to hear from today. You'll recognize her voice from Dr. Wayne Dyer's radio show, which also lives on in podcast form. She was Wayne Dyer's on-air co-host, producer, and the network manager for Hay House Radio. I'm so excited to be working with her as I'm a big fan. We have an exciting season planned for you with fresh new episodes coming out every other Sunday. In this week's episode, we chat about Diane Ray's background in radio, including how she joined Hay House and what it was like to work with Dr. Wayne Dyer. She shares her motivation for starting the podcast network and what she loves so much about this medium. I think you're going to love hearing her stories as much as I did. I want to give a big thanks to all the loyal fans coming back for the new season and a warm welcome to anyone who is just discovering the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community. You'll recognize my guest today as the unforgettable voice from Dr. Wayne Dyer's radio show. She has an impressive career in radio broadcasting, including 11 years as the network manager and program director for Hay House Radio. She was the on-air co-host and producer for Dr. Wayne Dyer's weekly show for eight years until his passing in 2015. She is also co-founder of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and we've got a big announcement for you today. Diane Ray, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Nadia. This is so fun to be on the other end of the uh, interview for a change. (laughs) Yes. Um, I know how that feels because I'm usually talking to other people. It feels a lot different from the other side, but I'm so happy that we're we're taking the time to sit down and do this today. Um, I have a million questions for you, but I'm going to scale it back because, you know, we could we could talk for hours. All your years with Wayne, like I just want to pick your brain. But (laughs) yeah, your voice will forever be connected in my heart and mind with Dr. Wayne Dyer from the show that you did together. 
Um, it was clear that he had so much love and respect for you. And it always sounded like you had an awesome time working together. We did. It, I was very lucky that that all kind of happens. Um, and working with him was really amazing. I mean, I really looked forward to Mondays. That was my mm -hmm. favorite day. And he was just, uh, you know, so fun, very loving, uh, very real, authentic. And for someone who really didn't have to, to do what he did, I mean, he still would sell a ton of books, but he really loved the radio show because it gave him that connection with people. And I remember when we first started uh, doing the show and we kind of tried to have a theme for every show and we would pull chapters from his current books and things like that. And finally, he just said, you know, I don't want to tie anything to a book. He goes, I just want to talk to people and just kind of riff off the top of top of my head. Okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. Which, however you want to do it, you know. And so I never knew what he would want to talk about. So sometimes he would start off, you know, funny or, you know, what did you do today? And, and I would always get such a kick out of it because he would be in Maui and I was here in San Diego and I'd, you know, get on with him, you know, a minute or so before he would start taking calls. So I'd say, so Wayne, you know, what, what's up? What are you doing? And he would say, yeah, I just got out of the water. I was swimming with the turtles in Kanapali Bay. <laughs> it was like this idyllic life. I thought, wow, you've got it made. And I would tease him I, and I'd say, oh, you're the hardest working man in showbiz. And because he really did work hard and he was always looking at the next thing, the next thing. And and even right before he passed, which was so shocking because that week prior, before he went to New Zealand, which was his last trip, and he was staying at La Costa, which was right near where the Hay House mothership, I called it, the Hay House offices were. So I picked him up at La Costa because he wanted to do the show. And, you know, again, he didn't have to do it that day because he was traveling. But he said, no, I want to do it. So I was talking to him and I said, wow, you know, you're just, you're working all the time, hardest working man in showbiz. And he said, you know, I really love it, but I really want to scale back. He goes, I really want to do more online courses and not travel so much. But he was really looking forward to that last trip, which was New Zealand and Australia because he hadn't been there in a long time. So we talked about that, but he, he was still excited. Like he still was, you know, working on another book and he was always talking about doing the next thing, the next thing. I mean, he did want to change the way he did it. He really wanted to slow down a little bit and not travel as much, but he did. That's why he loved the radio show because he felt that he could reach so many people at one time. And then yeah. just that Monday or over the weekend, you know, people started texting me and I saw things on Facebook and I thought, you know, what, what was going on? And then we found out, you know, what had happened that he had passed that weekend. And then Monday I had to do the show. Actually, I didn't have to do the show, but I wanted to do it because I wanted people to have an outlet to, because it was so shocking. I, I was just numb. I thought, how can this be? He was just here. And yeah, I remember going sure. in that Monday and I said to Reed, I, I, I still want to do the, the, the show just like I normally would today. And I just let people mm -hmm. call in and the phone lines jammed and people called in and you know, some people cried. And I said, just let's share stories about Wayne. You know, let's talk about what he meant to you, what books you like the best. And I said, OK, I'll start. He was probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. He could pull yeah. quotes out of the air. He read everything. And I said, I learned something every time I listened to him. And I would just sit, sit yeah. and listen. So 
anyway. He was I'm, such a scholar. I digress. I, I think that we really, <laughs> we really underestimate just, I think, how brilliant he was at deciphering these ancient texts and bringing them to us in a way that was... Um, you know, reaching people and in a usable format, you know, he liked to break it down into the steps and here's what you need to know. And I feel like he was just on this quest of learning what worked for him and sharing it with all of us. Um, he was, he memorial, could distill it to very understandable, in an understandable way, very esoteric things. I mean, the stuff he read was, would, you know, blow your head off. Like <laughs> You would try to read it. Yeah. I've tried reading some of it. So yes, I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the easiest text or or things to read and and understand and digest. And he would be able to share it with us in in a very easy to understandable, understand way. And I think that's why so many people were, um, you know, just loved his teachings and resonated with him. And it wasn't accidental either. It was so intentional. You know, when he was in college studying humanistic psychology and he was discovering all these things about the potential of human beings, you know, studying Maslow and Carl Jung and all of this. And he was going, man, this could help people. Like, everybody should know this. We shouldn't just have this within the walls of academia. And when he first got a publishing deal, you know, his publisher wanted him to sound more scholarly and more academic. So he actually fought for reaching people in like a conversational tone. And that's one of the things that I love about him so much. I mean, I discovered him when I was a teenager. So he reached me at a young age and it started on PBS, like so many people saw him on his PBS shows and something about him just drew me in. And it has literally changed my life because I've had these concepts that I didn't get from anywhere else that I got from Wayne, but they didn't start from him. You know, he got them from all these sources and he brought them forward to us in a way that was so easy. And he led me to other teachers and other ideas. And I think it really, the potential of my life, it just felt like the ceiling came off. And like anything is possible. And nobody else was telling me that. I wasn't hearing that. It's not that nobody else was saying it, but I wasn't hearing that from anywhere else. So he was really the one um, that opened the door for me. And he was able to reach you. That That's so great. That's, that's funny. I mean, I remember seeing him on The Tonight Show, you know, when I was younger mm-hmm. and I was aware of of who he was, but it wasn't until I started you know, working at Hay House and working with him. And just like you were saying, you know, through Wayne, I read, you know, Autobiography of a Yogi and Ramana Maharshi and, you know, all these great Indian sages and, you know, really got way deep into Ram Dass and read all of his stuff. And so he he really did open the door to a lot of those teachings because he was so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He oh, just wanted, Ram Dass he just wanted to share. a big one. <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about that. I I love Ram Dass and Ram Dass kind of came into my life almost by accident, how a lot of books will sometimes fall on you. And this one literally did. Mm-hmm. I was in a bookstore around the time my father was going through Alzheimer's and the end was coming mm-hmm. and Ram Dass's book kind of came into my consciousness and it was called Still Here, Embracing Aging, Changing yes. and Dying. And I thought, okay, I need to read this. Didn't really know who Ram Dass was. So I kind of read things backwards. So that was the first book I read. Then I read Be Here Now. And then I read everything mm-hmm. else. 
because <laughs> everything he said in Still Here was just got me through what was happening with my father. And I looked at the end of life in a much different way after that. So it was very healing to uh, to read that. And he just became such a great teacher for me. And then I finally got to meet him in 2013 uh, when mm. I went to Maui with my husband and through Alan Cohen, another Hay House author who's a wonderful person and, and friend and was able to initiate that meeting. And the funny thing was yeah. my husband had read Ram Dass like back in the 70s. And I knew, I said, when mm-hmm. we were going to Hawaii, I go, we're going to meet him. I said, we're going to meet Ram Dass. He goes, oh, no, we're not. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> And I said, yes, it is. It's going to happen. I go, I know it. I feel it. We're going to do it. And we were able to spend, you know, a little time with with him at his house in Maui and talk with him. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to Rob Das. And I remember asking him, I said, can we meditate together? Would that be okay? He goes, oh, yeah, that would be that would be beautiful. And so we just kind of sat there for a few minutes and I closed my eyes and at first, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm sitting here with Ram Dass. We're meditating. This is so cool. And then I just kind of wanted <laughs> I wanted my brain to just kind of absorb it. And I remember just breathing and just trying to be quiet. And I heard, like, his cat was eating dry food in the kitchen. And I heard the cat. And I heard, like, hummingbirds outside. Like, everything was kind of heightened. It was, it was really it was a beautiful experience. And we talked and we brought him a pie. And just a beautiful man. is wonderful, wonderful person. And it was crazy because that day that I was there visiting him, he had like these different teachers kind of wandering through the house. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of another author named Lama Surya Das. He wrote Awakening the Buddha Within. He was there. So he he kind of wanders in. Oh, hi, how are you? Oh, I want you to, you know, visit with Ram Das and enjoy your time. I'm like, what is this? He's like, these like amazing teachers are just kind of walking around here. Like, it's just a meeting place. It, it was a very cool uh experience like I'll, I'll never forget yeah i talked to dasima on the podcast um a couple of months yeah. ago yeah she was there i met it, her yeah she was the primary caretaker for like 15 years and so you know she was the one making sure that he had everything he needed and people weren't wearing him out too much and he would wave her away because he wanted to keep talking you know <laughs> but it, i mean the people that he was such a magnet like the people that would just come in and out of that space and the community that he was building i mean it it started in the well in the 60s at least you know and then it continued all the way through his life and i feel like his teachings are still bringing people together uh, i was at that house in september and i was totally not expecting to be there i went on a family trip to Maui. I hadn't been to the island in nine years. It was my first time back since Wayne had passed. Um, I had booked the flight based on the day that this one cottage was available where we really wanted to stay. And then when I was packing for the trip, I was like, August 30th, why does that date seem so familiar? And then I realized we were flying back to Maui on the anniversary of Wayne's death for the first time Wow! of me coming back since, since he had passed. And then we stay in this cottage and I set up, I have this photo of Wayne Dyer and Ram Dass. I'm looking for it. It's out of reach. <laughs> uh, of Wayne Dyer and Ram Dass. And I set up like sacred space and I'm meditating. And then, um, you know, I realized, wait, I think Ram Dass's house was on this part of the island because we were on the northern part. Usually I stay on the west side over in Kanapali. And um, 
And I look it up and I'm like, yeah, I think his house is just like a mile or two from here. It's just a couple minutes away. But, you know, last I heard they were closed because of all the pandemic stuff and everything. So I asked the owner of the house um, the next day because the, the cottage we're renting is on a property, right? And the main house and the guy comes over and he had said he's like this old hippie dude or whatever. And I was like, oh, um, do you know Ramdas? And he's like, yeah. I know Ramdas. I was like, oh, I think his house is near here. He's like, yeah, I was friends with Ramdas. I was like, you were friends with Ramdas? He's like, yeah, for 50 years. For 50 years? He's like, oh, yeah, we went to India together. I almost passed out. Wow. So he arranged <laughs> he arranged for us to go um, visit Hanuman Maui, which is Ramdas's home. And, oh, like... It was just such an incredible experience to meet the people there and be in that space. And they preserved his office, like the way that he left it and, and so much of his puja table and everything. And uh, I was just soaking it all in. It was so amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, the synchronicities that came together for that to happen. The one place we wanted to stay on the island was this cottage. I don't know why. There's so many beautiful places on Maui, but both my husband and I, when we were looking, there's only one place we wanted to stay. And so we booked our trip based off of that, which happened to be the anniversary of Wayne's death, which happened to be the home of a good friend of Ramdas and very like, synchronistic. Oh my gosh, it was so That's And beautiful. so the last time um, that I had, so I went to Maui in 2007 and I went there for Wayne's first conference on Maui. So that's when he said, you know what, why don't you guys come to me and I'm going to hold a conference here. And then after we did that, he's like, I think maybe I'm going to make this an annual thing. And, um, I never made it back to that one, but that year Ramdas was also there as a guest, and that's when I met him. And I had heard of Ramdas, but didn't know a whole lot, so I met him. And so, like, there's just this heart connection with him. There's something that just—it's like the energy transcends my brain. Wayne Wayne gets me through my brain, and then he reaches my heart. But it's like Ramdas reaches my heart, and then it gets to my brain. You know? Yeah, that's so interesting. That's true. And then you once and then once you start reading, you know, his teachings and kind of start absorbing it, you're, you're going to want to read everything. You, you know, you'll yeah. just go from one book to the next and uh, just some so many amazing lessons that I try to I try so, to remember. Did you see Wayne in Maui? Because I know you guys recorded remotely, so you were based out of California, but um, did did you go up to the island? Um, I know you said the trip in. 2013. Yeah, in 2013, I did try to connect with him and I left him a message. <laughs> I said, Hey, you know, I'm here in I'm here in Maui, if we can connect. And I was only there for, you know, a, a few days. So I, I wasn't able to connect with him in Maui, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. He was busy or something. Wayne. But I did get to connect with Ram Dass. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I forgave him, you know. Oh, he's probably hanging his head show. right now oh yeah <laughs> shoulda woulda coulda yeah no Insane. well I mean I guess that's that's what needed to happen you were you got to have that incredible meeting with with Ram Dass and have that experience and I mean you were already so connected with Wayne right so this was the one that needed to happen yeah, while you were there that, that one def definitely needed to happen um and yeah just he 
such an amazing teacher and has touched so many lives. And I can't tell you how uh, every once in a while I'll still get a random email that someone will find me either through social media or something. And people still listen to all those old shows. So like, like you said in the beginning, you know, they still kind of live on. And I love it when someone says, because I would always just sit back and listen to him interact with the callers. And I tried not to be intrusive or, you know, jump in. And sometimes he would say, you know, you can ask a question if you want. And I'm like, well, I just like to listen to you. It's like, I don't, I don't want to ask anything. And people would call with all the different, you know, questions and problems. And, but someone would say, you know, Wayne told me to write that book, or he told me to do that thing. And I just want to let you know, I, I did it. And here it is, you know, and they'll send a picture of the book or whatever they did. And, and I love I get that. that too. I love that. I love that. <laughs> you know, the ripples, the ripples are still go still going out there. Um, even though it's been, you know, what, seven, seven years, five years. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Time goes by almost... so quick, so quickly. It's almost eight years. Almost eight years. Eight. It will be by the time this airs. We're almost. I can't even believe it. There. And I, know. I, I know that he would be happy that things are still, things are still rippling because he he really did love yeah. people and he really wanted people to, you know, not die with their music still in them. And that's, I think, he would be really happy to know that that people are doing that what they really wanted to do. Were you familiar so with Doctor Dyer before you before you joined Hay House? Were you had you always been into spirituality? You know, I have. Um, I was brought up in a, a Catholic family. You know, so my father took us to church every Sunday, and I I loved the ritual. You know, I loved lighting the candles. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved all of that, and so I, I always had an interest in spirituality and I would always ask questions and you know something the nuns sometimes didn't like a lot of the questions but I was always very curious <laughs> you know like the the father son and the holy ghost well what's that you know what's the holy ghost what do they, what do they do just so think I was always interested in that uh there's one prayer I, I believe it's called the Nicene Creed where one of the lines is I I believe in uh, oh god I forget talk about a bad bad Catholic person. But there's a line that says, in all that is seen and unseen, and and like God controls, or God is all of that, is the seen and the unseen. But I was always interested in the unseen. Well, what, what does that mm-hmm. mean? So, you know, everything like paranormal, and you know, then I started getting into yoga, and, and I love that feeling of connection in, in your body that, that you get with yoga. So I always had an interest so I was definitely a, a kid in a candy store when I was able to get to Hay House. And I remember seeing the ad. I, my background's in radio. I'm, I'm an old radio DJ. And so that's what I did for years. And I was working in San Diego at KPBS, which at the time I thought was like the end of the line for DJs, because I had worked at, at rock stations where it was more of like this not theatrical, but more entertainment, you know. And then here I was at PBS, and I was just reading the funders, you know, support for KPBS comes from listeners like you and the Blah 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 Foundation. You know, and I would read that in between the NPR stories and things like that. And so I would look for another job while I was doing that. And I remember seeing an ad. It said, Hay House Radio Producer. And I was familiar with Louise Hay because I had the self-help section of books at, at home, you know, all of that stuff. 
so that's kind of how that started. And then I just, I went there and, you know, begged for the job and I was lucky enough to get the job because it was just right at the beginning of Hay House Radio launching. And I worked uh, closely with Summer McStravick, who's become a great teacher in her own right. And she's writing books and doing her thing. And so we, you know, both kind of built, built that up. And it just kind of grew from the there. Whole, the whole Hay House family is magic, really. I mean, and especially when Louise was alive and it just, it felt like I could turn to Hay House and there was always going to be something good. There was always going to be something new. There was always going to be someone to inspire me. Um, actually, one of my influences, um, Kyle Gray, I discovered oh, yeah. because of Hay House Radio. I was listening to Hay House Radio in my car um, on the way home one day, and there was, I think it was a clip, I'm not even sure if it was a full episode, of Kyle Gray with this Scottish accent, and he was talking about how when he prays to angels, he says, thank you. So he would say, instead of saying, oh, please give me this, or please, can you do that for me? It would say, you know, thank you, angels, for helping me get home safely, or thank you for the blessings in my life. And I was like, wow, that really clicked for me. And then I've been following him ever, ever since. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of people that I discovered because of Hay House, but him specifically, I hadn't heard anything until Hay House Radio. Yeah, he did the Angel Club the Angel Club mm -hmm. show. And I remember when he first came there, he was so young. You know, he had this baby yes, face. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. You know, and now he's like become, you know, more of like a hunk, hunky guy. I mean, that was, God, 10 over a decade ago. But he uh, had an incredible talent and, and connection even, you know, way back then. And it's just yeah. become, he's become such a great teacher in his own right. It, it was pretty, that time was, when Louise was still around, it, it was really magical. And she did have an amazing energy. And sometimes she could be scary. And sometimes she could be loving. And, you know, <laughs> she would come in the office and everybody, everybody would straighten up, you know, here she is. Okay. <laughs> but she was so beautiful and, and loving and wonderful. And she loved what was happening with Hay House Radio and she really enjoyed it and she especially would love she'd come in and I'm like oh look there's a show on I go look at all the callers and she would get such a kick out of that because you could you know you would see on the board oh someone's calling from you know Norway or whatever and you know she got a really a really big kick out of that because it seemed like we were touching mm -hmm. people all over the world it, yeah. it was, was wonderful oh, well, and she were. was still so vibrant for a, a long time and I believe gosh she passed away at 92 so she had such an incredible life and and legacy yeah and uh, not up, an easy till, life till either, the end. which is yeah which is part of what makes her story so interesting i remember when doctor because i've been following him since the 90s i remember when dr wayne dyer announced that he was joining this great publishing company called hay house with this lovely woman louise hay Right. And um, a lot of people didn't discover him until much later, I guess. But I remember that announcement. I was like, oh, Louise. Oh, who's that? Right. So that was the first I heard about it. So he actually brought me into Hay House. Right. Instead of the other way around. But I know he was happy to be there. And I mean, Louise Hay had impacted so many people with her 
um, perspective on healing, really. She did. And I, I wasn't as familiar with her when I first got there. And then I remember seeing the documentary film Doors Opening about all the work she did during the AIDS crisis in the 80s. Yeah. And just the work she in did growing. Yeah, growing that from just a few people in her house to speaking at, you know, big gymnasiums. <laughs> and then it just grew and grew and grew. And she was the first person to just hug people and not turn away from people during that time. And I, I do remember what was going on in the 80s. I mean, it was a scary time. People were dying and, you know, being demonized, uh, especially gay people. And she just loved all of them and said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to say, oh, that she'd say, we're not going to play Ain't It Awful. We're going to, you know, we're going to love each other. And yeah, she was she was just beautiful. If anyone has a chance to see that, I don't know where you'd find that film, Doors Opening, maybe on Netflix or some streaming service has it. Mm-hmm. But the guy that the guy that directed it also did uh, Colin Higgins, and he did the film Harold and Maude. He was a big director back in the 70s, and he did this film with her because he felt so strongly about what she was doing. So she was really I'm a, gonna have a trailblazer. I'm going to have to look that up because... You have to see it. You'll you'll cry. There's so many. There's some touching. Oh, no. <laughs> there, there's some touching things in there. You know where she'll people that were just kicked out of their homes and turned away by their families because of who they were, and she would hold up a mirror. I remember one scene. She holds up a mirror in front of this young man, and she's like, "It starts right here. You need to love yourself. You know, look in this mirror and say, I love you.'" And he just just crying and crying and. It was it's pretty intense. And since then, you know, mirror work has become or ha- was one of her teachings for many years. And I remember try- people make fun of it sometimes with the Stuart Smalley, you know, from Saturday Night Live. Oh, I, <laughs> I love myself and I'm great and people love me. And you do feel silly at first doing that. But it, it really is powerful to look into your own eyes and say that you love yourself. It seems silly, but it it's it's a really powerful thing to do. Yeah. The way that we, (laughs) the way that we see ourselves and the relationship that we have with ourselves um, is often the most toxic, right? And it's, it's the one that determines everything because we talk to ourselves without a filter and in, in horrible ways and critical ways that we wouldn't speak to someone that we love or even like um, but we get in these habits of doing that to ourselves. So, yeah, I've I've tried the mirror work too, and and it it's it's uncomfortable to sort of start that process. But you can feel it's like it's like some something opens when you um, it's like you drop the judgment of yourself, which again is something that Ramdas talked about so much. You know, of just that that heart opening, the loving, I am loving awareness yes. and embodying that. And it has to start here. It has to start with self because the way that we treat ourselves is is going to, you know, it's going to become how we treat others, especially when we're pushed, especially when we're squeezed, like Wayne Dyer's orange analogy, you know? Right. Um, what what What's inside of an orange is what comes out. And so when you get squeezed, what's inside of you is what comes out. So if you have all this hatred and judgment and fear, then when life pushes you and you're challenged, that's going to come out too. So, you know, I can do nothing for you but work on myself. It's Ramadas, right? And you can do nothing for me but work on yourself. I really think that that is so true. 
And just like the Dalai Lamas, you know, if everybody could meditate on compassion, this is one of those practices that could change the world if we just started to um, pay attention to what's going on in our thoughts and how we feel in our bodies and, and start to shift that. So Louise's practices were so key. And I heard that you really had to watch yourself talk around her because she'd call you out on it. Like if you were if you were speaking in self-defeating ways, she'd be like, she no. would. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I remember, well, there's times like in meetings, if someone would say, well, if we do this, you know, it's like killing birds, killing two birds with one stone. Well, who wants to do that? Why would you want to kill two birds? Uh, or she was just very, very aware. <laughs> Another time I had this sciatic back issue going on. So I was limping around the office and she comes up to me and kind of grabbed my arm. She goes, you know, you're not being supported. And that's what's going on with your back. And I thought about it. I go, you know, you're right. I'm not being supported <laughs> in certain things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I forget, she said here, you need to, you know, start saying this affirmation and, you know, not and not that saying the affirmation magically cured the sciatica because it didn't, but it just got me thinking about, you know, okay, maybe if I shift a little bit about how I'm thinking about things, or look for more support. So yeah, she would call you on that just automatically if you said something that had a negative spin to it. She didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you came to work for Hay House. Were you working with Wayne Dyer from the beginning? Like, how did that all come together? Well, I I was brought on as because really, when when Reed started Hay House Radio, nobody had a quote like radio background, you know. So I tried to bring my experience from my years working in radio to I wanted I wanted the network to sound like a radio network. I wanted to have promos and sweepers and you know, kind of bring that that feel and an aesthetic and all that. I, so I wanted it to sound not cheesy. I wanted it to sound really like a real radio network. So I I did a lot of, I did a lot of work on that in the beginning. Um, Summer McStrabic 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 got everything launched, you know. So she was really instrumental in getting everything started, and she I even forget how that actually came about. She had asked me one day. She goes, you know, I'm going to be doing some other things because she had been hosting or kind of co-hosting the show with Wayne in the beginning. And then she asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, yeah, of course, I'll do it. So I did. <laughs> and then we just kept doing it. And that went on for, for eight years. And then I also did another show. I can't remember if it was before or after on that Monday. I think Monday before I would do an interview show, just interviewing Hay House authors about their new books and things like that. And then I would do the show with Wayne. So Mondays was like the on-air day. And then I would just be mm -hmm. able to have fun. So, yeah, it just kind of started, uh, you know, synchronistically. And I, she asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, yes. Can't turn down Wayne. So did you get... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like, sure. Well, why would you want to, right? Yeah, of course. So did you get more into all of these subjects and, and these ideas after becoming a part of the Hay House team? Oh, sure. I mean, it definitely opened up the door even more. I mean, I was always interested in in spirituality and, and so and paranormal and 
afterlife and the other side. So then when I got to work with these amazing mediums like John Holland, yeah. uh, even Sylvia Brown in the very beginning, um, Doreen, Bir- Doreen Birtue was a, a, a big uh, presence at the time, you know, becoming more aware of, of angels and things like that. Although I have to admit, I've never seen an angel. I think some have interceded in, in certain things, but they haven't made themselves mm-hmm. visibly known. I would like to see that at some point. I'm still holding out hope that I will get to see one. Um, so being able to talk to some of those people and seeing some some incredible things. I mean, I've seen John Holland do some amazing demonstrations that just blew my mind. I had no I have no idea how he would ever know how he knew that unless he got it from the other side. Uh, Sandra Ann Taylor and her sister, she has a twin sister who's a medium named Sharon Klingler. And I had a reading with her, with Sharon, uh, because Sandra does more kind of energy work and quantum healing and things like that. She's like, oh, you need to talk to my sister. You know, she teaches at Lilydale, which is an amazing spiritualist uh, camp in upstate New York. I shouldn't say camp. It's like a city, a town now. And I just had this amazing reading with Sharon where she brought up memories of things that I had never even told people and things about my mother that nobody else knew. And it was just like an incredible affirmation of that life does continue in a different form or consciousness after we leave these physical bodies. So it was just more of a reaffirming of that in a deeper way. Oh, I believe that for sure. I mean, I think that energy is information and energy is everywhere. I don't think we're limited to five senses at all. I think that we're all picking up on stuff that maybe we're not as attuned to or we don't understand or if we don't believe it, then we're kind of ignoring those sensations and we don't explore them. But I do think that we we continue after this life. I think that they do still connect with us in some way and that we, I think we can all receive that. Some people are just more sensitive to it. What's interesting Absolutely. is those people who work as mediums and readers and all of those things tend to be more sensitive. And that's one in general. And that's one of the things I learned from Kyle Gray is that, you know, being aware of your own emotions is key to receiving that information. And how many people suppress all of that, suppress what they're feeling, they filter it into what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. But I really think that, you know, if we were attuned, it's just like animals, you know, animals know things, you know, like if a woman's going into labor, right, the animals will start acting weird in the home, like, a day before anybody knows anything is going on, or if there's a storm coming. And I think they're just they're attuned to energies of things that we've become sort of de desensitized to but I'm fascinated by by all of those me too I too, love so. all those things yeah. that's why I still want to want to talk about it and and I think you're right that many mediums have said we all have that ability Sonia Choquette we're six mm-hmm. sensory beings and I think that's very true and the more you pay attention to it and cultivate it and become aware the more psychic you can be I may not be able to connect with people on the other side. Maybe I can. I don't know. I mean, I think we've all had dreams of loved ones who've passed. I know I've had some vivid dreams after my mother passed that I think were a visit, a visitation from her. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
but yeah, the more, the more we're aware and we tune into those things and those feelings and we tap into our intuition, then the, I think the better off, the better off we'll be if we can trust your intuition more. Yeah. Trust it. Yeah. So I, I think try, we're, I try to do we're, that. We're more receptive when we're asleep. You know, and I think that's how they can sort of communicate with us just because we're open to it. Um, do you remember the talk between Wayne Dyer and Esther Hicks, who was channeling Abraham? Yes, um, very much. I can't I can't remember the title of that one now. Um, but, uh, you know, he was asking, like, well, I wake up at 313 in the morning. Why is spirit waking me up at 313 in the morning? Like, what is it about that? And she went she's like, well, what's interesting is that they're talking to you all the time. So why is it that you're listening at 3.13 in the morning? So it's not that like spirit is necessarily like trying to get our attention. It's more like when when are you the quietest, the most receptive, the less, you know, busy with your day, which is why I think a morning meditation or a like an evening meditation practice can be so beneficial because um, you can get into that quiet space. Right. Um, in the gap, like David yeah. G would say, that's who taught me Get how to gap. really meditate was was David G. And he did a radio show on Hay House Radio for a long time as uh, a wonderful teacher and friend. And I learned so much from him. Uh, just being able to incorporate a meditation practice in some way. And even if you are just, I, I like to walk, so I'll do walks, you know, a med- mm. meditative walk. Yep. And rather than sit, and that works really well for me. So I, I guess I learned to be a little more accepting to myself of how I could incorporate a practice into my life. Because sometimes you think, oh, I can only meditate. I have to sit here and sit on a cushion and be cross-legged and, you know, have your hands at a mudra and all that. And it doesn't have to be that <laughs> orchestrated or planned, you know. So I've, I've learned ways to incorporate that more. And it's been it's been really helpful. And I and now that you're talking about it, I, I need to do it more. <laughs> I need to meditate more because you, you get more answers oh, it's that a, way. It's an ebb and flow for me, for sure. And the times that I'm feeling the most connected is, is when I make the space for actually listening, making the space for listening. And then and then everything else flows better. Um, I think I posted something recently that said, um, you know, ego says when I get everything in line, then I'll feel peace. And spirit says, find your peace and then everything will fall into line. And it does. Uh, oh, it does. That's, that's such a good reminder. <laughs> it's it's so true. And it's so amazing in and in doing anything new or tackling anything that's frightening. I remember asking Louise Hay, like, how did how did you launch a business in your sixties to become an international publishing company and do all this? Where, especially for women, oh, you're in, forget it, you're in your 40s, you're over the hill, you're in your 60s and right. you're starting a business. That's unbelievable, mind-blowing. And she would say, I, I opened the mail and I answered the phone. I said, that's, that's what you did? She's, she's like, well, when you're on your path and you're moving towards what you're supposed to do, when you do those tasks every day, people will come to you. If you're on, if you're on point, you know, if you're on your path... And you're doing what's in your heart that you want to do. It, things will happen, and she's and she's so right. And I've always thought that when I get scared or afraid or who do I think I am to have a 
launch a network or do do this project or things that you're afraid because I'm afraid like everybody else. People think, yeah, I have yeah. a friend that says, oh, you know what you're doing. And I'm thinking, well, not really. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm figuring things out as I go, you know. I don't yeah. have it all planned out. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I always think of Louise, like, what would Louise do? Well, she would just keep on doing it. Just keep on keeping on. And you know in your heart that you're doing what you want to do and that this is how things are going to work out. And just being and being aware of synchronistic things. Like I was just recently at this big podcast conference with my business partner and there was a certain person that we really were not sure we were going to meet and we wanted to meet. And just by chance, we stayed in, in a certain place for like five minutes extra. I said, oh, I need to get a drink. I'm going to come right back. Just wait for me. And then I looked over and there they were, that person. And even she said, because she's very connected to Tina, my business partner. And she said, you know, spirit had us wait here for another five minutes. So, so we would run into this person, <laughs> you know. So when those yeah. things happen, because it's a huge, there's three or 4,000 people at this event. And we didn't know for sure if we were mm-hmm. going to run into this person. And we did because we both have, we happened to stay there. It's like, you know, it was supposed to be, we we're supposed to meet that person at that time. So um, I, I try to remember those or be aware of those little, little events when they happen and be grateful for them and say, Oh, and notice them, right. Trust, notice it. Trusting that uh, something bigger is moving the pieces around, right? Or that there's this yes. momentum that's happening in the background. I mean, I definitely feel that. And I think that I I silently set sort of an intention in my heart, whether I know I'm doing it or not. I'm always setting an intention about what I'm open to, what I'm ready for, what I want more of, what I maybe want to change in my life. And sometimes even without taking conscious action on all of it, things start to move in that direction. I've definitely been feeling momentum lately. And the big thing for me is joining your amazing podcast network, mindbodyspirit.fm. So um, what made you want to start this podcast network in the first place? Well, that was an offshoot, I guess, of working with Unity Online Radio. Um, The Unity organization Mm -hmm. is an amazing organization. They're uh, a spiritual group. Uh, they kind of like to think of themselves themselves as spiritual, not religious. They're kind of they're they're Christian based, but they don't believe that you're a horrible person that you have to turn yourself over to someone else for salvation or anything else for salvation. That you are always surrounded by God, and it's it's just a beautiful philosophy. If you go to a Unity uh, church, and there's a bunch of them all over the country, you might see or hear in a service that. Lao Tzu said this, the Buddha said this, Paul from Corinthians said this, unity pulls from all of the spiritual traditions and kind of weaves it together in a very beautiful way based on the Fillmore teachings. Anyway, that's a quick unity lesson. (laughs) But I I met my business partner, Tina, through working with Unity Online Radio. We kind of relaunched that platform and moved them into some different areas, got them more into podcasting, got them on a better delivery platform. And she was working in sales and working with Unity Magazine in sales. And she's got some amazing, amazing experience in sales and marketing. Was actually at one point the VP of marketing for Mark Cuban for Broadcast.com when he sold that company for billions with a B. So she has a lot of amazing experience. And we just, we hit it off from the beginning, the get-go. Although though we're very different people. And we both kind of came together and said, you know, we see an opportunity in the podcasting world to do to do this because there were certain teachers that 
weren't really wouldn't really fit on unity online radio like you had to kind of Mm -hmm. have a balance there and so we thought okay well let's let's do this kind of pulling what i knew from hay house radio and everything i learned over that period of time and so we launched it with one person we had uh angel talk with rachel corpus and then we just built it to you know clawed our way (laughs) one person after another after another and learned a lot over the past three years. And now we're coming up to, um, you know, hopefully 60 and counting, maybe by the beginning of next year, of people on the platform. And we're just really clear of, of the kind of people that we want to work with. We want no conspiracy theorist. We want no, you know, cr- craziness. But we want to ha- to be a place for people to find anything mind and body and spirit. So we have you know, some mental health shows, we have a, a recovery show, like a sober living uh, it, from a spiritual perspective, some LGBTQ um, health and wellness, alternative health, spirituality, some mediums. Um, because what I saw at Hay House Radio was like people that would come in and were huge Wayne Dyer fans and loved his teachings. They'd also look over and, hmm, what's Carolyn Mace teaching? Or what's Kyle Gray yeah. teaching? Or What's going on with John Holland? So I think that there's crossover and that people can share ideas in a positive way for things that could help. You know, we all need some help in some way. So that's what we're trying to build. Yep. It's kind of a unique mix of of content, but I think it's something that mm-hmm. people really need now. Oh, it's something I resonate with a lot. I mean, that's why I'm here. Not only do I love you and I love Wayne and Hay House and all of that, but, you know, what the the vision I think that you have for this network is totally up my alley. Like I'm I'm always interested in in learning new things and seeing what people are talking about. My the whole reason I do this podcast is because I just love being part of the conversation. You know, I don't claim to be an expert or have all the answers for anybody. I'm a seeker just like everybody else, you know, but I I I love being in this space where we can connect in this way and we can talk about interesting things and and see what other people are talking about and get ideas from one another on really just, you know, improving our lives and and coming to know like who we are on a on a deeper level and so yeah, I'm very excited about it. Now you have a long background in radio. Yes. Um, what made you want to get into radio <laughs> in the first place? And, and like, how old were you? I, well, when I was in high school, I worked at Peaches Records, which was the best job ever. If I could, if I could blink my eyes and go back in time, I would love to be back at Peaches Records where I got free records. It was the best thing. And, and I'm talking the round things with holes in it. You know, there were records then. <laughs> then it became CDs. Um, so I just, I've always loved music. So that kind of sucked me in. And when I was at Peaches Records, this is the genesis of my whole career, was at the end of the shift at night, I would get on the loudspeaker and I'd say, attention, Peaches shoppers, please bring your final purchases to the counter. And so my coworkers would say, oh, you have a really great voice. You should be in radio. <laughs> I'm like, What? Because I, when I was in, in, in college, which I never finished, I'm a huge college failure, I thought, okay, I'm going to be a journalist, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be a newspaper writer, because I love to write too. And then that mm-hmm. never happened, I got sucked into radio. And then from Peaches Records, 
Then I started doing a, a radio show on this community station in Miami. It was called, seriously, WDNA was the call letters of this radio station. And it was a community volunteer station. So there was all a bunch of weird misfits like me. And I would come in with my little peach creative records. And I did a jazz show because that was the only slot that was open. They go, we, we're going to have a jazz show here. Do you want to do that? knowing nothing about jazz, but I worked at the record store. Sure, I'll do a jazz show. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot about jazz. <laughs> I played all kinds of weird music. And then that, that it kind of grew from there. And I worked uh, radio in um, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, my hometown, for WSAG, mm -hmm. Big 106. Um, then I went to Austin, Texas. I worked for a network there, recording shows for stations all over the country. Then went back to Florida, and I worked at this flame-throwing Rock 105 station with Lex and Terry on their morning show. So I did, I've done like a little bit of everything. And my the peak of my morning show career was one morning, in, it was in Jacksonville, Florida for Lex and Terry, and they were doing a thing with Bill Murray, the actor. So Bill Murray came in the mm -hmm. station. He was wandering around like opening sales offices, sticking his head in. People are freaking out. Bill Murray came in, a stripper came in and sang happy birthday to his brother. And then some guy, another guy came in with a live tiger. And I thought, okay, this is it. My radio career is not going to get better than this. Bill, Bill Murray, a stripper and a live tiger. This, this is the apex. It's like a circus and show. <laughs> it was a circus show and it was, it was so, so fun. And then I came to San Diego and I was working for a rock station here, KGB. And then like, Many people, many radio personalities, eventually we all get fired for budget cuts. So I was part of a big bloodletting at Clear Channel, went to PBS, and that's where I was saying at the beginning, oh, my career's over, because I came, I came where there was tigers and strippers and Bill Murray, and now I'm at PBS, this is it, my career's over. And then I saw the ad for Hay House, and then yeah. it opened up a whole other world. And now I have a yeah. now I have a podcast network. So just kind of follow the breadcrumbs of life <laughs> and see where it leads. So do you think that podcasting is a sort of evolution in the line of radio broadcasting? Like, how does it compare? Because radio has been around for so long, um, and it used Forever. to be the main really source of entertainment. Yeah. So, so how do podcasts compare to to radio? That's a, that's a good question because I remember in the beginning when podcasts were kind of just bubbling and, and becoming a thing and I thought, oh, podcast is just a radio show. It is, but it isn't. You know, it's a little different. I think what I love about podcasting is kind of what I loved about radio is that I think it's a very personal medium. It's mm. a way you can communicate in a personal way. You're right there in, in there, you know, in their ears and Podcasting, I think, is kind of the Wild West right now where anybody can do a podcast. Anybody. Now, should they? All? Probably not. But I mean, <laughs> the opportunity is there. You can get started yeah. very inexpensively and pretty easily with just a little mic set up in your laptop and you can express yourself. And I think there's topics. If, I'm sure there's a, a knitting podcast, you know fish, crocheting, cooking eggs. I mean, any like niche thing you can think of, there's a podcast yeah. for somebody that will listen to that. So I, I think mm -hmm. that's what's cool is the, the independent spirit of it that anybody mm -hmm. can have a voice if they want it. And 
And again, yeah. maybe not everyone should, but they can if they want to. <laughs> it's it's up so to it's us to, to, to find the good stuff or what resonates for us. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there is there is something for everybody out there, and and everybody talking about something. Um, it's funny because I remember in 2020 with the pandemic and everybody stuck at home, and people were joking, "Oh, don't start a podcast and don't cut bangs, right? Like, right. don't give yourself bangs." <laughs> And that's when I started a podcast was 2020. But but it's funny because it had kind of been in the works for a year or two. I'd been thinking about starting a podcast. And then um, actually, I think I was looking for something positive to put my energy into because I didn't want to just like sit there and watch the news about the death count and the, you know, the abysmal forecast. And um, at first we thought we were going to be in lockdown for two weeks and then it went on for a month. And by the time it was like another month, I was like, okay, I got to do something uh, positive. And I started thinking about that podcast idea again. Um, so yes, I'm one of those um, pandemic podcast, but I'm right. still here. So right, some of us are still here. You're still here. <laughs> Not only that, and you've built an amazing community of people that resonate with Wayne's team teachings and they resonate with you and and that's a beautiful thing that's just grown so I'm I'm excited about the future I mean I do I do still miss live radio I mean there is yeah something about being live on the air especially in your hometown which was so much fun and so much great energy and I have a lot of amazing memories of that time and mm-hmm. the radio industry grew and changed and then it became you know eight minutes of commercials and you know became very corporate and there was a lot of buying and selling of companies and things like that and thing things change and my nature as a little cancer crab is to not like change so sometimes I have to force myself to appreciate it and to kind of embrace change so I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen next you know, I, I still think mm-hmm. there's, I still have some friends in radio and I, I think there's still a place for that. And I think that yeah, for sure. there's definitely a place and growth for what's going on with podcasting and it's growing and changing more and more. So keep looking there. Yeah. There's going to be more, <laughs> there's going to be like the, the podcast for rock collectors and you know, <laughs> everything, you, you name it. We're going to have a hundred people raise their hands and go, I already have one of those podcasts out there. <laughs> right. They, uh, right. They now. do. They yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been thinking about all the guests that you used to have on, on Dr. Dyer's show. And I remember, um, you know, at the beginning you were talking about how you, you started the format of the show of talking about his books or specific ideas. And then he's like, ah, oh, let's just, um, let's just take calls And it just occurred to me recently that, you know, he was a professor of counseling psychology and he had his own practice. And I think it's one of the things that informed the way that he writes his books and the way that he likes connecting with people. But it does feel like it was like little mini therapy sessions, right? He's helping, he's taking people's questions and helping you kind of find another way of looking at it. Did you ever think about his um, psychology background as having a big influence on the show? Oh yeah, that and that's a great point because he he was, uh, I mean he had studied all of that and like you had mentioned, you know the work of Maslow and, you know I, I had never heard of Abraham Maslow. That's another person that Wayne turned me on to 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 start reading a lot of his stuff too. He uh, loved to talk to people and he wanted to help them. 
He really did. And it was, they were mini sessions. A lot of times the radio shows would turn Mm -hmm. into mini sessions and he would talk people through stuff and people would cry and really bare their souls and were just so happy to be in touch with him. And I I hope that he was Mm -hmm. really able to affect some people's lives and get them thinking. I've, I've thought a lot about, (laughs) that's why I would just sit there and listen to him talking to people because I would just get so much out of learning from what he was telling them would feed yeah. into my own life. So, and and it, 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 bled, it bled into a lot of things. Like I would, I'd go to like a happy hour with the girls and I'd say, you know, Dr. Dyer said this, <laughs> like Wayne said this. Yeah. And I would, sh- I would share it because I just wanted them to benefit too. So now years later, is there, are there any of the callers that still stand out to you as memorable um, for either what they asked or how he responded to them? There's definitely a few, but the the one that I think will always stand out is Anita Marjani because she was not an author or she was just a listener and a, and a fan. And Wayne had read something that she wrote about her near-death experience on a website and he was so touched by what she wrote about her experience that he I don't know if he had reached out to her online but she called into the radio show and I remember just seeing her name Anita and Hong Kong and I thought wow how cool there's a call from Hong Kong I'm taking that you know because I would always love to hear from people all over the world and I would get get such a kick out of that so I said okay we're going to go to Anita all the way from Hong Kong and he goes, is this Anita, Anita Morjani? And then he, re- you know, he remembered she had reached out to him through the website and it was just this amazing connection. And then he brought her to read, to write about her experience, which became Dying to Be Me. And now she's mm-hmm. an amazing teacher in her own right. So that, that one always stands out because I just remember seeing Anita from Hong Kong. I thought, oh, I need to take yeah. that call. Yeah. She, I think she came off as really shy at first, too, and I think Wayne had kind of encouraged her to, like, come out on stage and share her story because he really believed he in did. the message that she had. He discovered yeah. her. He definitely discovered her. And another amazing story that he was so passionate about was Immaculate Illibagiza and Left to Tell yeah. about the Rwandan genocide. And just listening to her story and reading her book was unbelievable of how horrible people can be but yet how how beautiful too you know the the, the black and white i guess i yeah, guess one how can't that exist impacted her the other her faith yeah yeah it did i met she her had, had my faith. my sister my sister and i went to see uh wayne in las vegas which was a really weird place to see Wayne Dyer speak, at least to me, because like you're walking through the casinos and it's all just this like sensory overload, you know, and then you come into like, ah, you know, like, let's talk about (laughs) um, spirit. And he had um, Immaculate Illibagiza with him and we bought her book there. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, Those are the I can do it. They've they've started Mm -hmm. up again. And this past year, I think was the first one since the pandemic in Tampa in and Florida. I heard it was yeah. really well attended. And so I'm happy to see that's coming back. I loved the Vegas events. I thought they were super fun. And uh, yeah. actually, the first time I went to Vegas was for a, a I Can Do It event. And it was at the Venetian. 
And then when my husband and I wanted to get married in Vegas, I insisted that we stay at the Venetian because I loved it yeah, so much it's beautiful. from that experience. <laughs> that was when I had the Elvis. I remember telling Wayne about when we, we got married at the Viva Las Vegas wedding chapel and I got the hound dog package. And I remember telling Dr. Dyer that I go, yeah, for 250 bucks, you, know, you can get married. You get a, a bouquet of flowers and a little stuffed hound dog. And he just thought that was so funny. <laughs> Because at the time, his daughter Serena was getting married, and he would just say, like, not not really so much on the air, but he's like, yeah, I'm just writing checks, writing checks, you know, for this big wedding. And I go, well, you know, you don't have to do that. You could do what I did and get the hound dog package. And he thought that was thought that was so funny. <laughs> That's just the best name ever. The, yeah, I'd like the hound dog package. Please. Well, you can get That's that. Awesome. You could have got. You could get the Jimi Hendrix package. There were like different themes. I think one was even yeah. like a Kiss Gene Simmons package. I'm like, no, I'm not that much of a Kiss fan. I said, let's go traditional. So I picked the Elvis, yeah. <laughs> which was the hound dog package. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and we're and we're still married. Believe it or not. <laughs> So the hound dog package works, it folks. Did. I mean, it did. there's there's testimony right there. <laughs> it was fun. Um, yeah. No, I, I got to see him a few times. I saw him when he was here in Seattle. I got to go with um, my husband. I'm not even sure if we were married then. And uh, it's like, oh, who's Wayne Dyer? Well, come with me, you know. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been a big fan for ages. But... <clears throat> I talk about your voice being like forever connected to Wayne. And I know I'm certainly not the only one who feels that way. And his radio show, uh, the one you did together, of course, lives on in podcast form. I think they take clips from it now. So people are still discovering it. They're still listening to it. It's going to impact generations, um, which is so wonderful to see. And in my group, uh, the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community, I get people coming in all the time who are just discovering Wayne. And I know he would love that too, because like the more people that we can reach, the more that we can kind of, you know, shift things. Um, he would, he would love it. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, I think like you said, he didn't have to keep doing what he was doing. He didn't have to keep doing the radio show. He didn't have to keep writing books. He did it because it was in him and he loved it. And I think he really enjoyed connecting with people in that way. I mean, I wish we could have, I wish we could have kept him around longer. I was really surprised. Um, I, I saw the Facebook post on his page one minute after it was posted, which was apparently his family saying that Wayne Dyer had died. And I didn't even know if it was real because I'm like, wait, this is on the the like the official Wayne Dyer page. But, you know, we've heard about death hoaxes and everything. So I'm looking on Google and I'm not finding anything. I start crying. I had my son with me. He was two. He just turned two, my little boy. And I call my husband. He was out. And I was like, I think Wayne Dyer just died. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, but I don't even know if it's true, right? And then it was, I don't know, an hour or two later that the news started coming in. But but one of the things that I have remembered all this time is your voice right after he died on that memorial episode. And I found it on your website, which I was saved awesome. Because yeah. I was like, yes, <laughs> this was it. This was the one that I still had. Like, because I remember you talking about him right after he died. And it was so 
emotional and it was so fresh. I mean, he died on the weekend and this was your Monday time slot for the show. Like, like what were you feeling that day and what inspired you to go forward with the well first it was shock like you said because it was a similar thing where I had people were messaging me you better look on Facebook like what's going on and and I I couldn't I didn't believe it and it didn't really seem real until I got in my car that morning to drive to work and I was listening to NPR and they they made an announcement on NPR and they said and self-help popular self-help guru and author, something like that, Dr. Wayne Dyer has passed at whatever, I even forget the age. But, you know, like they made an announcement on the radio. I'm like, well, that's my confirmation. And I was driving into work thinking, wow, what's going to happen? Because he was Hay House Publishing, <laughs> you know, like he was the, the guy. And so I knew this was going to be just an, an incredible shift and change and it really was things started to change and then after louise passed and again like kind of embracing the change as companies things morph and change and so things things shifted but that day i just drove in and and i had a co-worker say are you going to do the show and for a second and, and i thought yes i said i'm going to do it and then i said to reed i'm, I'm going to do the show today i'm just going to let people talk because everybody was still in shock. Like everyone at, at the office yeah. was still kind of numb, like what? And then it was sinking in. So I just said, well, if if you haven't heard, you know, we lost Dr. Wayne Dyer and I didn't really have, I didn't really have anything planned, but I just wanted to open the phone lines. I said, if you want to talk about him and share a memory, then call in. And then just everybody started calling in and just let, yeah. I just let people talk, you know, and shared some things that I felt and it was, it was pretty shocking, but, but it was so cool to hear everybody's stories and, and how many people he had touched and how many people had a story about him. That, that blew me away. I thought, wow, you know, what a life. I mean, what a, what an amazing, amazing testimony to what you've done to have so many people be affected, total strangers, but they, they were touched in some way by your work. Mm-hmm. and were, were affected. So it, it was pretty, it was a pretty incredible day. And it's funny that you, I, so I did like eight years of radio shows at Hay House and interviewed amazing people. And most of those shows, I don't even know where they are, but I made sure I saved that show. That was the only one I really wanted yeah. to save. I saved a couple. Yeah. I think there was like, it's something that when Deepak came in. Or, so I saved like a few episodes or interviews that were meant something to me. And that was one of them. I had mm-hmm. to. I had to keep that. All the other ones. Well, thank you for doing that. <laughs> uh, uh, they're around um, in some form yeah, or another, but um, and in our hearts, of course. But that that episode, I think, helped me process. You know, obviously, we'd had confirmation by that point, and I was processing it. Actually, this room that I'm in, it was a, a spare room in our house, and the day after he died, I turned this into my sacred space. Um, we hadn't been in the house for very long, right? But he always talked about sacred space. I was like, I don't have one anymore. So then I pulled out my collection of books and CDs and DVDs that I've collected from him. And I, I bought some things that I hadn't um, gotten yet because I just, I really wanted to dive back in and keep studying that. And that's why I started uh, a group on, on Facebook, really just because I, 
I wanted to connect with people who, um, you know, felt the way that I did and I wanted to keep studying and I, it was kind of a way for me to keep my practice going. And, and this sacred space became my sacred office and everything that I've done in the year since have kind of grown out of this space. So, I mean, um, in a, in a physical way and in a mental and emotional way, like so much of what I do, Wayne, Wayne's influence has been foundational has been foundational to that. And look at the community. Tell people how many are in the community now. Uh, we have over 100,000. Is that and amazing? it's growing all the time. You know what? The best thing for me is that I can pop in there anytime and, and talk about Wayne or share a quote or ask people questions. And like, I know people are going to get it. And like, these are my people because I don't have a lot of people who even know who Wayne Dyer is in my real life. And uh, so this is a wonderful space for me to just like kind of be among like-minded, just heart-filled individuals. And that's, I mean, that's where all of this comes from too, because I was meeting all these people who had incredible stories to share. I mean, everybody has a story and I wanted to bring them out into the world. So You've done There's an amazing job. Change your thoughts, change your life. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And thank you for thank you for uh, bringing me into the mindbodyspirit.fm uh, podcast network. I'm so excited for everything that's going to come in the future and uh, that we got to sit down and really have a good talk about, about Wayne and your time at Hay House and just the incredible work that you're doing. You've, you've touched many hearts and I'm one of them. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And and we're so thrilled that you're a part of the network. And everybody listening, just keep checking back. We're going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, thank you so much. And for all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and telling your friends about it. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. To learn more about this podcast, see upcoming events, or book a private reading, you can visit my website at nadiadelacruz.com. We have a monthly spiritual discussion group, and I would love for you to join us. You can also get the link to my YouTube channel with full video episodes and live recordings from the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community. If you enjoyed this show, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you soon. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.